In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter provides us with an appreciation of the four sources of stress and suffering in the context of the Four Noble Truths, the central teaching of the Buddha. I wanted to uh, continue some of the reflections um, that we've been making with regards to uh, some of the numerical collections of the uh, Buddha's teachings, which are uh, points of wisdom for application into uh, everyday life. Living consciously, certainly for the purpose of not just uh, having intellectual knowledge, but to uh, understand and then apply such teachings, such principles, to... uh, reduce stress, suffering in in our life, in regular, daily, real life. Because certainly um, um, some of these teachings can seem somewhat uh, philosophical, yes, psychological, but uh, we don't want to simply have a a knowledge of them. We want to realize them for ourselves, to uh, realize them, make them real for us, especially through yes, knowing, but also applying, and so then they become truths for us. So we have had a look at some of the collections of uh, three, three uh, sets of three particular teachings, and so moving on to uh, four, and uh, last time we had a look at the first set of the four, and uh, which is probably the one that's most known by people with regards to four in Buddhism, the Arya Satcha, the Four Noble Truths, and um, those truths basically being the uh, truth of, I'll use the word Dukkha here, but Dukkha translating as uh, stress, distress, angst, ease, pain, suffering. So, uh, there is the, the truth of uh, suffering, let's say. It exists, and this, this truth is to be acknowledged. So acknowledging, acknowledging when we are experiencing some degree of stress, distress, angst, unease, or suffering. The second truth is uh, the truth of the cause of suffering. That um, suffering, or stress, or angst, or pain is caused. It doesn't just happen. Spontaneously, it may seem to be like that, but there, there is a foundation, there is a cause, based upon the law of cause and effect. So the, the cause of suffering, suffering is caused, and this truth is to be understood, to really understand what's going on here. Why am I experiencing this, this pain, this discomfort, this, this problem, this issue? And then this allows the, uh, the possibility of the third truth, which is the truth of the ending of suffering, the ending of stress, distress, angst, unease, or suffering, either by degree or ultimately, ultimately so, which is the experience of uh, full, complete spiritual, psycho-spiritual enlightenment. The, uh, the Pali word is Nibbana, the Sanskrit word Nirvana, and this truth is to be realized, so realizing freedom, ultimate freedom. The fourth truth, which is um, following on, because there is the possibility of uh, the ending of of suffering, 
there must be a way to that. So there is the truth of the the way or the practice path leading to the ending of stress, distress, angst, unease, and suffering. And uh, this truth is to be practiced, so to put into practice. And generally, this is appreciated as the um, the Buddha's uh, eight fold path, or what I refer to as the eight practice factors for living consciously. And like I mentioned uh, last time, uh, these uh, this teaching of the Four Noble Truths um, is described as being the the elephant's footprint of teaching because it's large and it encompasses it can encompass all other footprints because it's so large and so the Four Noble Truths actually flows out into many many teachings that are encompassed in this um, quintessential approach to uh, appreciating what is why it is uh, how what is can end in terms of uh, if it's suffering and the way to that. So this evening to elaborate on that to some degree and specifically to uh, talk about uh, the four sources of suffering. So another set of four. And um, maybe even to appreciate the four sources of suffering in the context of the four noble truths. And so the first one, which is the uh, that there is there is stress, suffering in our life, and um, if we go back to some of the basic Buddhist teachings and even some of the chanting that Buddhist monastics do every day, morning chanting, evening chanting, which uh, talks about, describes, relates, reiterates these these important um, life life appreciations, life understandings, life realities, and um, so I've pulled out one of the chanting books that I used. Um, Oh, many years ago, when I was um, a young Buddhist monk, and um, in it it has um, some of these points, and certainly the the four foundations of why there is uh, stress, angst, unease, pain, suffering for people are basically birth, being born, in terms of the especially the process, is uh, is painful. It's suffering. So birth and then the process of aging. Aging is not always a happy affair. Um, delightful. I'm getting old. The body's getting old. So birth, aging, illness, and then also death. Uh, and, and of course, uh, we can appreciate that all these four things, they are relative as to how much um, unease or stress they may, they may bring for the person. Um, or for other people that are dealing with the person that's maybe going through this. But um, there is some degree of, uh, of pain and suffering uh, um, implicit in these things. And we can also appreciate that uh, these things are four physical things. So, so birth is a physical activity, as is the process of physical aging, um, illness. Yes, there's psychological illness, but this particularly relates to physical uh, illness, and then also um, death, which is um, uh, generally, in this case, is um, the death of the body. Um, reflecting upon even birth, um, there's, uh, birth is often seen as a, a delightful thing. Well, she's, she's pregnant, she's going to have a baby, or we're having a baby, we're so happy. But um, the actual process can be uh, 
a little bit uncomfortable, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and uh, which includes both for the baby. Babies don't come out laughing. <laughs> it's like, that was fun. <laughs> Can I try that one again? <laughs> um, and, and for the mother as well. It's, it's, uh, it can be quite uncomfortable. Uh, the tears are um, a mixture of both pain and, and joy, sort of, uh, in that. Uh, so, yes, birth and then, then aging, which can be quite quite relative. Sometimes we can enjoy um, getting older, can't wait to be uh, 16, can't wait to be 18, can't wait to turn 21, but after that it's sort of like, oh, you can slow down a bit. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm 30. I feel really old now. <laughs> and then, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 40 soon. That's, that's ancient. My life is half over. <laughs> Don't worry, wait till you get to be 50. <laughs> But again, it is quite, quite relative. Um, and certainly illness. Sometimes uh, illness can be something that's very, very helpful for us. You know, because of an illness, we can actually be choose to be more careful, more mindful. Uh, it can give us um, a time out to uh, reflect upon things, some downtime. I mentioned um, that uh, this time last year, I wasn't even in Sydney because I'd, uh, I was having a, a break. The break that I, I wanted to have a break. I've been working working hard here, and when I go home, I work in the garden. So I, th I was thinking it'd be nice to have a break. It's like to sit in my garden and, and read rather than working in my garden. And so be careful what you wish for, because uh, you may get it, maybe not in the way that you want it. So I got my break. It was a broken ankle and broken leg. And so I got to sit in the garden for three weeks. <laughs> really, it was a really lovely time. <laughs> Wasn't so convenient for my partner. <laughs> Extra work for her, but um, but even even illness can can be seen to be relative. But for the most part, it's it's a bit uncomfortable. It is the source of of pain and and suffering, and certainly um, dying and and death as well. Even though we might say, well, death can be a great um, release, a great relieve um, when it finally happens. People might even look forward to it. You know, I've had enough of living. I'm 115 now, and it's, I think it's time to go. And <laughs> and uh, looking forward to that that time when uh, I just don't wake up. But uh, for most people, that that process certainly dying. Um, people in reality may not be afraid of death because they're not around to experience it. But the process of dying. Is something that may bring up some fear and some concern, and especially also for those those around, loved ones, people that uh, that care for us, that um, don't don't want us to um, to die, and certainly will miss us. So, these four things, so another four things: birth, aging, illness, and death, are are um, basically suffering for people. The um, if we go on to the uh, second noble truth. The um, cause, the cause of uh, suffering. This is where the uh, the four sources of suffering comes in, which which describes both both in terms of um, yes, this is suffering, but also the cause, the cause of suffering as well. And uh, this evening to maybe uh, reflect upon some of the the ways to be free from that suffering. So even the the third truth as well. And these are more psychological. 
in uh, approach, and they they certainly come uh, again from the wisdom teachings of the Buddha, and um, they were chanted. I certainly chanted them on a regular basis when I was a, a Buddhist monk. I've uh, reordered them uh, and also um, retranslated them slightly. The first one is Yampi Chang Nalapati Tampi Tukang which uh, I translate as um, not getting what we want is a source of stress and suffering. You probably appreciate that's pretty true for us. Not getting what we want is a source of stress and suffering. And uh, it happens. It happens all the time. And you think that we might uh, learn from it that uh, the more that we're clinging and holding on to something, expecting something, if it doesn't happen, then the more the experience of disappointment, distress, upset, and maybe even before the thing happens, fear. What if it doesn't happen? What if I don't get it? What if I don't arrive there? What if I miss out? Even before the thing actually potentially is supposed to happen, there may be the suffering of fear and anxiety about, about something. So not getting what we actually want, and even maybe it's, it's wholesome to want this, it's healthy to want this, it's something which is worthwhile, we've maybe worked very hard for it, and then we don't get it. It's like, wow, that's difficult. But that's, that's what happens. Sometimes life is like that. It's like um, maybe last Saturday. It's like, uh, yes, we've been planning for two years now our wedding on Collaroy Beach. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, obviously, it doesn't happen. The, the beach gets destroyed and a lot of the houses as well. Um, that's when you have a backup plan. Don't worry, we can go over and have the wedding in the Kuji Surf Club. <laughs> but then maybe it's like, oh my goodness, the Kuji Surf Club's on Colorado Beach. <laughs> So this is uh, certainly a, because of the big storms last weekend, but um, um, this, this leads to the fact that um, because, because the, the basic fabric of existence is uncertainty, change, impermanence, um, not a sure thing, no guarantees, then we're setting ourselves up for a great degree of stress and suffering if we're expecting and wanting and then holding on to something, and then when it doesn't happen, um, great stress, suffering. So the answer is is quite um, easy. It's about okay. When you when you don't get what you want, then immediately let go, because if you don't let go um, of the wanting, then the pain is going to remain, and there can be uh, the pain can um, be there for a long time. It may even go on for years. If only I had got that, and why didn't I, and why couldn't I, and and so it becomes regret or remorse and uh, um, distress. So the the quicker we're able to let go when we see something, it's not going to occur. Then um, and especially what can help us help us to let go is appreciating that ah everything's uh, subject to change. Sabe sankara anicca. All things are subject to change. Uh, therefore. There's a great degree of uncertainty in life. Everything's connected. Something that happened maybe 10 years ago on the other side of the planet through cause-effect, 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 cause-effect is now affecting 
what's happening to me right here and now. I, you know, how could I have known what was happening over you know, the other side of the planet ten years ago was going to flow through to this moment now? But that's how that's how life is. So a little bit of understanding or wisdom can allow us to to um, hold things a little bit lightly or lighter, so that we can actually put them down, let go, if we if we need to. The uh, second uh, source of suffering is then. Um, the Pali word is piyehiwipayogoduko, um, which I translate as losing what we like and love is also a, a source of stress and suffering. And in this situation, there's like uh, we have something. We have something, it's ours, it's, it's mine. Um, I've worked hard for it, I have it, I love it, I like it, I want to keep it. But then for some reason, where we're parted from it, or it's parted from us. And again, same same thing. There's there's so many variables, so many uh, elements involved in things existing in a certain way in a certain situation that um, it's quite amazing that things do work out as well as they do for us. But sometimes they don't, so we do lose what we like and love for for various reasons and depending upon, again, the degree of holding and clinging and grasping as to how much uh, distress and upset and grief and loss and pain and anguish will occur. So again, the, the antidote here is to uh, be aware through wisdom of the reality, the fabric of existence, and when something is parted from us, then we can then let go. Uh, and letting go may also allow us to have um, enough mental clarity, emotional stability, to then see what else can occur. Okay, um, this is gone, so what other options do I have? What other possibilities do I have in this situation? Um, what maybe uh, can I do with this? And maybe also, by losing this, maybe something more worthwhile can happen. I had to let go or lose this to have something more worthwhile to Occur. And sometimes, maybe through our own experience, we, we, we experience this. Yes, there's a degree of, degree of upset for a time, but then it's as if through um, just karmic consequences, something better or someone better even comes into our life. I remember, um, I've mentioned this before at times, uh, so I was a Buddhist monk for 11 years and, um, and then finally decided to leave monastic life and uh, move into the broader arena of lay life, the broader context of lay life, um, and uh, continue to learn and grow in terms of uh, spiritual practice. Um, and I thought, well, you know, one of the, one of the possibilities of being a lay person is to, to have a partner. And um, because I went to the monastery so long, so young, I never really had a partner. I'd never had sex. I was, a, I was a good monk and preserved my precepts. So I thought, well, I deserve karmically that I will leave the monastery and the woman of my dreams will be waiting for me. I don't have to go through dating and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's you know, good, good karma. She should be waiting for me. <laughs> I deserve it. Thank you, Buddha. <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> so um, amazingly, it happened. <laughs> and um, so I met this uh, person. I'd... Uh, 
I was living in Switzerland in the, in the monastery there. I came back to the main monastery in England to disrobe, and there was a woman that um, um, I'd met who um, one of the other monks uh, knew, and um, she was wanting to travel back to Australia. She was an English woman, and uh, had she, she was aware of mo monks and monasteries and so forth, and certainly aware of then sort of how I'd been living, and she wanted to travel back to Australia to visit some friends and have uh, some time, long service leave, and maybe even set up in Australia. So I thought, oh, this is wonderful. This is, this is it. She's the one. She, you know, the right age, she's nice looking, intelligent, um, wealthy parents, and <laughs> she went to the right school. <laughs> I think she said she went to school with Mick Jagger's daughter. <laughs> um, and um, so we traveled. Um, I hadn't, I really didn't really know how to use a, a credit card or, or hadn't traveled as a layperson. I'd always been a monk when I traveled. So um, she accompanied me to Thailand and, and then back to um, Australia. We developed a relationship and I thought, this, this is wonderful. And um, I moved in with my sister. And so uh, my girlfriend then went off with my sister's boyfriend. That was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, losing what you like and love is a source of stress and suffering. But um, letting go, because certainly uh, the Buddha's teachings on impermanence and uncertainty, up, uh, let go. And uh, ultimately, uh, my sister met someone that um, she uh, felt was better, and uh, and. Now they're living together, they're married, living together with uh, three sons, and uh, uh, I met uh, my partner who I've been with for over 20 years now, and uh, so, and this woman, she's still with the, this guy that she left me for, and they, I think they've got about three kids living in England, so things, you know, things can work out. At the time, it looked like, it looks, this is terrible and pain and suffering, but but sometimes just, just stepping back, reflecting, pausing, and seeing what then can move into the vacuum that may have been created. So um, losing what we like and love as is a source of stress and suffering. And I think that most of us would appreciate that we are a lifetime losing what we like and love. Now the, uh, the first home that we uh, get to be in, and then we get evicted after nine months. And uh, pushed out into into the world. It's like no, but I don't want to leave. I want to stay. Like, no, you've got to you've got to leave. And then um, from uh, being a um, a baby, having to leave being a baby, becoming a a, a child, and um, leave being a child, becoming an adolescent, and all of that involves, and uh, leaving being an adolescent, becoming an adult, and um, though some people don't quite leave that, even as adults. <laughs> It's still sort of stuck in being an adolescent. And then all the things that uh, occur in being an adult that we have to let go of as part and parcel of the process, the maturation process of, uh, of life. Until, until the, the last two big letting goes, the things that we, we do lose, and uh, it may be the life of our partner if they die before us, and the other one is um, letting go of the last breath, which um, ultimately we can't uh, hold on to. And so how we have lived our life and how we have been able to let go consciously throughout that process will determine 
how we deal with some of the bigger letting goes as they get more significant through our life. And, and here letting go should not be a type of uh, rejection or a reaction, but more of a, um, a response, a response of the, uh, uh, the mind of wisdom, the heart of compassion as we, as we let go and allow, in the same way that you know, breathing in, and then, you know, okay, having breathed in, then we can't hold that breath for too long. We can enjoy it, it supports, and then we need to let that go. So our whole life is sustained by allowing letting go, allowing letting go. And so it's a wisdom point to appreciate that's, that that is the ebb and flow of, of life. So holding on, binding, becomes uh, problematic there. The uh, uh, third source of suffering, which is the Pali words of Apiyehi Sampayogho Dukho, which is uh, having to be with that which is unpleasant is a source of stress and suffering. And as we can appreciate um, uh, life, life isn't always about association with that which is pleasant, pleasing, wonderful, delightful. Sometimes it uh, is difficult association with, with that which is not what we would choose to be associated with, whether it's a person, um, a place, a situation, uh, some type of work, an issue, um, whatever it might be. Sometimes that, that will happen. So if we are reacting against it, I don't want this, I don't like this, this shouldn't be happening to me, why is it happening to me, then becomes more stress and suffering. And again, if we're able to just step back, pause, reflect that, um, ah, change. It's like this now. Was it like this you know, an hour ago or uh, a day ago or a week ago or a year ago or a month ago, whatever it might be? Maybe it wasn't. So even though it's like this now, maybe it will change in the future. And it may be, it may be an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever, but it won't stay the same, even if it is uncomfortable right now. And of course, if we're not reacting, then there's some mental clarity and emotional um, energy to be able to see, well, what can I change about this situation? Uh, what can I do about it? So that, because maybe, maybe um, um, it's not helpful or even healthful to keep it going, but I maybe can, can maybe move away from it. Uh, if I'm not just reacting against it, uh, or maybe I can modify it to some degree, speak to the neighbor and um, uh, maybe suggest that they they um, uh, turn off their quadraphonic uh, hi-fi super-duper thing at 9 at 9 p.m. at evening um, because the windows keep on shattering. And uh, So suggestion to... Uh, to see how something can be modified so it is a little bit more easeful to be able to live or be with for that time. But, but again, the fact is that um, sometimes we can't change the external situation, but certainly we maybe can change how we are thinking and feeling and relating, even psychologically to it. That might be the, the point or place of freedom, how we are thinking, feeling, relating to the whatever. And certainly letting go of that inner inner reaction that can cause us to feel like you know we're in hell. It's a bit like the um, Buddhist monk Ajahn Brahm, who says um, a prison is any place you don't want to be. And um, we can make 
what someone else might say, a lovely situation, uh, a prison, um, simply because we're reacting to it. So that's what we need to be mindful of. Can you give an example of that? What can, you can you give an example? Can you give an example? Well, it could be, it could be um, uh, something physical or something mental, but, but that comes up with the next, next uh, source of suffering. But it may, may be um, a, um, a relationship that one's in and that um, one's viewing the relationship or the person in a very negative way, just noticing the negative things about them and not appreciating all the positive things about them or about the relationship and therefore emphasizing and magnifying and reacting against them so it becomes a, a prison, you know, a, a relationship. And... Um, um, other people might say, oh, she's not that bad. She's okay. My wife does the same thing. <laughs> or my kids do the same thing. So, um, or it could be um, a workplace situation, which um, does, as long as we're reacting against it, um, then it becomes a, a, a prison. And we're sort of locked in, especially if we maybe can't change it for the moment. So to say, well, where is there some space? Where is there some choice? Where is there a bit of breathing space? But certainly uh, with the, the fourth one, the fourth source of suffering, that also relates to this as well, which um, is Sankitena Panchupadana Kanta Dukkha. And here the, the Pali, the Pancha, Pancha Kanda, relates to the Pancha meaning five, Kanda being aggregates or elements. So it's specifically saying that the, the five grasp that uh, aggregates are a source of stress and suffering, especially because they, if they grasp that. And so uh, these five aggregates, basically what we take ourselves to be, our mind-body complex, which is the um, um, physical form, uh, sense-based feeling, um, then also... Um, uh, the mental faculty of recognition or recognizing or, or remembering things, then also uh, the mental faculty of um, mental formations, basically thinking, and then sense-based consciousness. So these, these five aggregates come together to create a sense of me. The me is the identification with these things. So, this, uh, so the me is actually a, a program of identifying, identifying with, creating identity out of, I am this age, but it's the body, um, I am sick, but it's again, it's the body, or I'm, uh, I'm anxious, it's maybe the mental state, um, etc., etc. So, especially if there is grasping at these, and because these five things change, everything's subject to change, they change, they're not a sure thing, they're not stable, they're dependent upon other elements, then they will become a source of suffering if we're, we're grasping and identifying ourselves with them. If we might think, well, I'm a bright person. But then if, if the memory starts to, to um, get a bit soft, so to speak, or if, I, if mentally I'm not so sharp, if that's who I am, then, then it creates stress and suffering. But if it's seen as these are just factors elements coming together um, that are subject to causes and conditions and they don't last forever 
then there's less stress and suffering. So certainly, again, for all of us to appreciate that uh, grasping or becoming identified as the mind-body is a source of suffering. And here, simply by being aware of this, um, noticing the degree of grasping, being able to let go, so the, these five aggregates are there, but there's less identification with them. Um, sure, there's a need for the mind-body to be looked after, and the mind-body complex is for the purpose of looking after itself. The body looks after itself. The, the mind helps look after the body. The body helps look after the mind, so to speak. But um, there's less clinging, less grasping, less distress when things do change with regards to mind and body. And therefore, more more peace. And again, part of the process of this is appreciating that uh, uh, over time, the process of aging, and and maybe also in the context of illness, um, there is there is stress and suffering there. But it can be limited and lessened in a psychological way. So these then become the four sources of stress and suffering. Uh, both in terms of, yes, this is this is stress and suffering, first noble truth. Um, this is the cause of the stress and suffering. These four things, which again, um, uh, not getting what I want, losing what I like and love, having to be with that which is unpleasant, and then the um, having to be with the reality of the factors of the, the mind-body complex, especially the grasping. Uh, and then also the release, or the relief, at least to some degree, of the stress and suffering around those, uh, which is the third noble truth. And the fourth being the way, the way to that, and certainly um, ultimately ultimately letting go, um, freedom, which again is the enabled through the eight practice factors summarized into morality, living in a wholesome way, developing the mind through meditation, samadhi, and engagement of wisdom, panya. So another template that's uh, worthwhile to apply, and I recommend that uh, we ask ourselves, well, of these four, is there, is there one that particularly stands out for me at this point in my life? Um, there may be one that's been significant all the way through one's life. I never get what I want. My sister always gets it. <laughs> or my neighbor gets it. Uh, it's always been the way. Um, or maybe at this particular time, there might be one that we're actually dealing with a bit more. It might be because, oh, I've got some physical illness happening. So, yeah, this is really com uncomfortable. It's really painful. Or it might be, um, I'm going through losing what I like and love. My, um, my son or daughter's leaving home. And it's really distressing because they've been living with us for the last 35 years. <laughs> And um, I'm very much identified with them and so forth. I live my life through them. <laughs> uh, so, depending upon where you are, what's happening as to which one of these may be somewhat more significant than the other. Um, but uh, we can certainly see that by recognizing, ah, what's going on here? I'm upset, I'm suffering, which of these four is it? Ah, it's that one, okay, what can I do about that as the, as the antidote? As the, as the answer to some, some relief. So it even could be helpful to um, learn them off by heart. Uh, even in Pali, if you like. <laughs> but uh, they're there to, to make use of and to uh, certainly reduce uh, 
our angst unease in, in life. And uh, as angst unease, suffering gets less, then there's more ease, joy, happiness, well-being, more um, peace for being able to focus the mind and uh, develop deeper clarity, insight, freedom. So any particular thoughts or comments or insights you've had for yourselves around uh, these four sources of stress and suffering? You talked a little bit about consciousness. Can you explain that a little more? Which is like the, the consciousness that, that is produced uh, for the purposes of being able to recognize um, an experience occurring. So, for example, um, you may be at home and um, your husband might be uh, uh, looking at TV, for example, and um, let's say reading a book. Reading a book is probably better. He's reading a book or the newspaper, which is not an auditory experience. He's totally absorbed in, in reading the newspaper. His ears work perfectly well, and you're calling his name, but he, but he just doesn't, doesn't respond. Because, because his sense-based consciousness is, is caught up in seeing, it's at, at the visual experience. His ears are fine, but there's no consciousness to the to ear, the ear consciousness or auditory consciousness, and therefore he doesn't hear you. Mm-hmm. Or you, you know, the, the occasions when um, um, you're having conversation with somebody and they're, just, they're looking and uh, they're looking at you, and you stop talking. And looking at you, and they don't, and you sort of, what do you want about? And they, oh, sorry, I was thinking about something else. So their consciousness was, sense based consciousness was going to thought, uh, not not actually seeing. They weren't actually, the eyes were working, but they weren't actually seeing. So the sense based consciousness needs to be there for us to then recognize the sensory experience. So that's um, a bit different than what you might call call, call the um, being conscious um, in, a, in a bigger sense, mm. which is still part of the mental faculty, which is based upon the, the physical faculty. If there's, if there's no brain, then there's no, no way of then being aware or mindful or conscious of something. John, is it external things or more internal things that bring us stress and suffering? Certainly, um, where a lot of these things are somewhat external, external things that cause us uh, stress and suffering, um, in a way to see that uh, many of these things, they happen anyway. You know, they, part of life is, is um, when things don't work out the way we like them, when, when things uh, do depart from us, and, and when there are the unpleasant things there, and, uh, uh, and the nature of the mind-body. So... That's a fact. They, that's happening. But it's about um, not being, not taking it so personally, not identifying with the suffering, getting caught into it and magnifying it, not creating more of a self out of the suffering that, that, that's there. And um, um, as you mentioned, the, the fundament, one of the fundamental tenets of the Buddhist teachings, which is a distinguishing mark of his teachings against the teachings at the time and many other teachings since is that there, whilst there is a psychological self, there is no permanent, permanent, static, stable, enduring self-entity. The psychological self is is a fluxing, changing phenomena, um, dependent upon those five aggregates. 
and to try and fulfill the self, trying to fulfill something which is constantly changing, because it's really just an identification process. It's nothing, nothing in in particular, nothing specific, <clears throat> and because of this, the everything is changing, then there's going to be suffering to self. If I am, if I'm a 50 year old um, um, taxi driver, then um, um, and I'm very identified with that. I can only be identified that with for a year because next year I'll be 51. And um, if um, something happens to my taxi and I, and I can't drive, but I'm very attached to being a taxi driver, that's my identity, again, more suffering. So because the self isn't anything static in itself, it's always about, it's a program of identification. I am this, I am that, until that change, who will I be then? I don't know how I, who I'll be. I'll be. De- I'm depressed. I'll be depressed. That's who I am. I've got a new identity. Or um, I've lost my job. Um, I don't know who I'm going to be anymore. I was a professional. This. What will it be next? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm feeling anxious. Oh, I'll be anxious. That's who I am. Who are you? I'm anxious. So that's 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 what the self program does. It's it's um, it's it's helpful. Because it certainly helps to order and structure things, collecting information, collating information, cal- calculating information, communicating information, as a program does. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing, but it can't be fulfilled. Ultimately, it's like trying to fill up a bath with the plug out. It can't be fulfilled because <laughs> everything's changing. John, on the four sources of stress and suffering poster, you list out six ways to deal with the four sources of stress and suffering. The last three, big picture, virtues and strengths, and the last one, freedom and peace. Can you just explain those a little further? Sure. So a bigger picture would be um, seeing the uh, the greater context of a situation that um, uh, may be in terms of uh, place or even time. Um, so if we go, okay, well, I had to lose this in order for something else better to, to occur. And, or I had to go through this pain to actually learn something that's going to be worthwhile for me, for me in the future, which is, which is sometimes with illness, people often say it, it was, it was really unpleasant and really difficult. But, um, from that I've learned, I've grown, I've modified my perspective on myself, my life. So it has been, in the bigger picture, something that has been worthwhile. So when, when um, something's happening which is upsetting and distressing, then at that time to actually see if we can look for the bigger picture at that time to help reduce the stress and suffering because um, we can't wait to go, okay, the body's sick and therefore it's really wonderful. But if we go, well, actually, maybe there's some things I can learn from this. Maybe there's an opportunity here. Uh, what would I like to learn from this? What do I need to learn from this? So that's getting, that's reperspecting, getting some uh, uh, wisdom perspective on a situation, which then helps to reduce the indulgence in or as the suffering. And then we've also got um, uh, virtues and strengths. Well, that sort of flows in. So through this, what can I learn? Patience, commitment to the process, letting go, compassion for the, the body or the other people, or maybe forgiveness for those that are disturbing me or upsetting me. And then and then the with the ultimate peace and freedom, it might be okay, well, 
this is happening and the only real freedom is is enlightenment and that's where looking at uh, who is suffering you know, I'm so upset distressed upset about this well um, sometimes it takes a great degree of suffering to actually see the thing that is suffering to see the self to see this phenomena that we have taken personally this is who I am this is what I am but actually well what is that and what is this self that's suffering and uh, what is it really um, is it something which is changing you know, the Buddha said um, you know, everything changes so is the self static and stable and sure and safe and secure no it's, it's something which is changing and so great insight can occur into the nature of the self the someone that appears to be suffering as to its form and function and therefore insight maybe enlightenment or the uh, the revelation of reality occurs and, uh, and that's where maybe strain uh, stress uh, um, stress strain suffering struggle gets to that tipping point where there's a uh, release letting go occurs and what what is underneath that is deep profound peace John, often talent and creative force can come from tortured lives. Can you talk to this point? As um, listening to uh, uh, ABC Classic FM, which we often have on, and um, they were talking about the uh, the life of uh, Eric Satie, yeah. and um, um, who, who wrote quite a lot. And uh, he, but when he went to music school, his teacher said, "You know, this this guy's hopeless." and you better, rather than sort of uh, writing music, you know, do something else. And he wrote a lot of music, but he's he's known for the um, a couple of um, pieces. The uh, um, difficult to pronounce it, the gymno gymnopedies or yeah, um, very simple piece of music that keeps on repeating, repeating, very meditative. Uh, and um, Hearing about his life, who quite a tortured life, and uh, he lived in in um, um, a room by himself, just just one room, and uh, um, he'd he'd leave his room very early in the morning, um, immaculately dressed, and he'd walk um, into the city, and so great great sort of distance he had to walk, and he's always he'd walk, and he'd, he'd um, do backup music for. Um, in cafes and things, and he'd walk home very in the early hours of the morning. If it was rainy, he'd just get all wet. And uh, and when they when he died, and they found his his uh, small apartment, it was just a it was a mess. It was a squalor. It was you know uh, like a vagabond would live in. It's terrible. So, but uh, amazing music that's come out of um, something that was quite tortured and distressed inside. John, can you explain the term Samvega? Well, Samvega is uh, it's obviously a, um, a foreign term. It's the Pali language for the experience of uh, uh, a collection of feelings, emotions, mental states that relate to like a world weariness, a type of uh, dispassion, a, uh, um, what may be diagnosed as a depression. But it's often uh, a, a seeing into the the fabric of existence and and feeling a sense of um, pointlessness because of 
because of that. And in the wrong context, it would lead to a clinical depression. In the right context, it may then lead to um, um, entry into a spiritual, a spiritual path, spiritual practice, yeah, seeing beyond just being caught into mundane, uh, mundane, superficial, materialistic type of life. And I feel that there's more and more people are moving to this edge because they're they're seeing somewhat the the hopelessness um, and maybe even feeling somewhat helpless in the situation and see that uh, the way of the world is it's quite troubled um, worldliness generally is not can't ultimately provide happiness and fulfillment it can pr provide some sort of satisfaction for a little while some some gratification but not ultimate peace, freedom, happiness, joy, and that uh, um, especially the current situation in the world, which is quite distressing for a lot of people, even in, even in Sydney, in terms of um, cost of living and um, lack of employment opportunities and uh, housing market and so forth, so it can be quite distressing for people and um, can lead to either depression or sangvega which then can maybe lead into uh, looking for something that can provide meaning and joy and worth uh, in life. Maybe still in the context of regular life, but not trying to, to make it fulfill or be, or, make, or be the be or end all for them. So uh, it's something to watch out for. So do give uh, these four sources of uh, stress and suffering some, con some consideration and uh, make use of them. Have a good week. See you next time. That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. Ranging from one-on-one -on -one counselling relating to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.